To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers yo so, Booger has to be the worst analyst in his... No, nah, I don't think he's the worst analyst, but I think that that situation, they have to figure that out with on Monday Night Football with Jason Whedon and, and Booger, man. Like, I feel like they really exemplify why you only need one, one color commentator. Like, you don't need two. Yeah, I agree. It's it, it, it is it's kind of hard to listen to, man. It's it is right. It sucks. It, it, it is kind of hard to listen to. I mean, you kind of like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. You know, you got somebody at first, you know, when he was floating over the the game, blocking people's view. <laughs> uh, that's kind of cool. But, you know, what about those people behind him? You know, then I think they switched to like a clear back or something, so people can see through it. But still, it's just. I don't know. I don't think. I think two is too many. You know, you don't need too many voices, too many opinions. You know, you gotta leave room for the people to form. And then it's like they competing. It's like they competing for for airtime. It's like right. I, I literally like the last. Like I, I've been sick of this like since since day one. But I say I, I maybe I'm being you know close minded, but you know and you know it 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 really stood out in playoff time. There's times where Jason Witten will go like 15 minutes without saying a word. And it's just Booger talking the whole time. And then Booger is actually on the field. So he's talking loud as I don't know what. You know what I'm saying? Like he's talking loud as, as like, you know, crazy because of, the, because of the crowd noise around him. And I'm like, right. bro, why are you screaming at me? Like I do, right. I do not need Meek Mill in the booth right. <laughs> calling Monday Night Football. Yeah, it, it, it just seems like this is a trial thing. You know, this is the first year they've done this. Yeah. I think this should be the last year. Yeah, I think this is an experiment. I think, you know, Booger, like, I'm not too fond of his analyzation, but I really feel like he'll be a better color commentator than, uh, than Jason Witten, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So, uh, I, I got to go ahead and introduce the pod, man. We got to it, you know. Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Women's Podcast, episode 26. The voice you're hearing right now is Rob, and I'm with my brother, Carlos, from San Antonio. What's happening, man? Not much. Feeling good. Feeling good, you know. Um, my other brother taking a break, you know, taking care of some business, some family business right now. So, you know, and that, now, that other brother is, of course, Ramon. And so, you know, big shout out to my our boy, you know. I'm sure he'll be in next week with his coach take, hopefully his team, his coats. It's still in there, you know. Yeah. But you know, 
Uh, big shout out to him. Just want to shout our boy out. You know, hold it down. We gonna hold it down for you this episode. Yeah, Ramon, man, we gonna hold it down for you, my brother. Uh, take care of that business, and we hope that you're back soon. We know your li- we know the listeners want you back soon too, especially since your Colts are advancing in the playoffs. But we gonna hold it down, me and Los, man. We gonna run it, you know, like we always do. The opinionated bench warmers, uh, bro. Where you wanna start, man? It's it's it's, it's quite a bit going on right now, man. Uh, let's, I mean, since we last episode, we didn't really talk about as much as we wanted to. The coaches and you know how yeah. the coaching carousel is going on right now. Um, we can kind of touch touch on that, you know, because we do have a lot of new coaches coming in play now, new faces, kind of exciting, you know, you got, right now you got the Cardinals, you know, just signed the young guy, so the, the NFL is crazy, because the NFL right now is going to this, um, trying to find the next McVay, you know what I'm saying, which yeah. is crazy, they want that, that young, or like you, know, you, or like you call him Mac Bay, yeah, Mc, Mc Bay, you know, yeah, you know, chill out, pause, <laughs> So the Cardinals, they just signed uh, Cliff Kingsbury. You know, he's, he came from USC. USC's officer coordinator. Um, the Bengals, of course, still looking for a coach. The Browns right now, they got, went and got, uh, well, went, kept Freddie Kitchens. I believe they, they moved him to the officer coordinator later into the year. Um, the Broncos got Vic Vangio from the Bears, officer coordinator. He's, he moved over. The Packers went and got the Titans officer coordinator and Matt LaFleur. You know, and that's a, another guy that was um, under McVay for a year. You know, he was a kind of our QB coach slash officer coordinator with the LA Rams before he moved to the Titans, now with the Packers. And then so you got the Dolphins, of course, still looking for a coach. And you got the Jets. News just kind of dropped here recently that they went and got Adam Gaze uh, from the Dolphins. So, you know, I think I like that move for him to get with the young quarterback and Sam Donald. And then you got, of course, the Buccaneers, probably the most kind of surprising. You know what I mean? I know rumors leaked, but I would never link them to the Buccaneers. I like the match, though. You know, um, I like the, the brilliant mind that, you know, Bruce Arians brings with his officer game, you know, as he did with the Cardinals. So I think he's going to do wonders for Jameis Winston and Mike Evans in that offense. You know, I think the only thing that the Buccaneers are missing is a good running back, a reliable Running back right now, I think they made it work with Peyton Barber this year, but he's 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 just okay. He's a good running back. He's decent. I'll say that he's not special. Yeah. Uh, well, we could start there with that hiring. Uh, Coach Aaron's was uh was hired uh, by the Bucks, and then it wasn't announced. It was announced not too long after that that Ty Balls will, you know, after being fired by the New York Jets, will be joining him, and that's that combination that they had. In uh, Arizona, in Arizona, a couple years ago, which you know about as a Rams fan, which I had to deal with with that combination, and you know me as a Saints fan, which I mention every episode, it tends to be, uh, but uh, in the NFC South, that means I'm gonna have to see them twice a year, bro, and I, I'm not looking forward to it, man. I'm not looking that, forward to it, bro. But I, I gotta say that make y'all division interesting, you know? It does. Arians, he brings that fire, man. You know, he brings that. That fire that, you know, they didn't really have with their previous coach, you know, and it's like, well, I like that he's going to bring that offensive creativity that they've been missing, yes. you know, and, yes. and I, I think the books has truly, like, James Winston in him, uh, watching him, I mean, his arm is not in question, uh, his accuracy is, 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 is not in question to me, 
but I think his decision making is in question. But also, I think that they haven't been able to utilize Mike Evans as a talent. And like you mentioned, you know, uh, this draft class, which we'll be getting into, you know, draft coverage really, really, really soon. Like probably in like the next month or so, like we like we do. But they have a you know strong running back class coming in this year. Uh, they they are missing that running back, but you know, I don't think that offensively. Uh, they have been, you know, calling plays that really cater to the talent. Like, they haven't used Mike Evans like he should. It's a reason why Deshaun Jackson wants to get out of there. I'm pretty sure he's going to reconsider that now. But, you know, I think they'll take a guy like Deshaun Jackson and uh, Bruce Arians uh, uh, use him like they use Larry Fitz, you know. Put him in the slot, you know, cre be creative with him. You know, so, you know, it, it, and then Ty Bowles, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know, he's going to have McCoy. He's going to have... You know, uh, what's that corner that they just drafted from Florida State? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, I can't. I know uh, no, not from Florida State, from Florida, University of Florida. Maybe yeah, that name exactly come, maybe, maybe that name will come to me a little later. But he's gonna have some some. What I'm trying to get to is that they they they're gonna have some some talent to work with to use them in the way that they should be used. Like Bay Graves or something like that. Yes, yes, that's that's him. Hard Hard Graves, I think. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He, young talent came in, you know, on the spot, you know. Yeah. Um, their team's got spots, you know. They got a bunch yeah, of... Yeah, Bernard Hargraves. Yes, that's him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I... So they, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, they have a talent, you know. They got the young pieces, you know, and they still got, you know, I believe Jerry McCoy on that line, you know. Yeah. And I think that team, you know, just needed, really just needed somebody that could come in and communicate and another move that was kind of underrated with that team was them going to get Byron Leftwich as their officer coordinator. Hmm. You know, Byron Leftwich, you know, did a decent job. That You can tell with the Cardinals when he got the opportunity to be their officer coordinator there for a little while with Josh Rosen. Their offense the first few weeks was didn't have a chance. Now, their team didn't do as well and it didn't translate to wins, but their offense did improve when Byron Leftwich did come in with the Cardinals. And I can see him being able to communicate well with um, Jameis Winston and, you know, get under, of course, Bruce Arians' care. That team kind of turns it around. You know, I'm not saying, you know, that team, of course, becomes like, you know, the top of that division because it's still a tough division. But, you know, they may still win here and there and maybe keep it interesting and finish around 9-7, 10-6 next year, you know, because, again, after the Saints, I would say that division is pretty much open now because the Falcons are not who the Falcons used to be. Mm. The Panthers, you know, they they have a good team, but, you know, they aren't who they were um, a few years back. And so, you know, after the Saints, you really have an open-up spot of taking over, you know, being that second maybe wild-card team going into the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, I do think that it's a good move. I think the Bucs uh, made, it, made it clear that they're really trying to um, – you know, I, I mean, at this point, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm a fan of the Saints. Uh, I don't, I don't hide my Saints bias at all. But you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. Get me right, bro. But I think like with the Saints and how they dominated this year, I think that a lot of teams are trying to, especially now division. You know, what the division is you, the, especially the division that you're in, the NFC what NFC West. Like you know, it's a, it's a, like a, it's a copycat league. And I think that especially in your division, and I think that when the Bucks looked at their season, they looked at the Saints and look at 
at our diamond, they're like, okay, we got to get a, a great offensive man and we got to get a good defensive mind in here uh, to, to have success in this division. And I think that they got the best that they could with Bruce Arians and, and Ty Bowles. And, you know, you know, when I look at us, you know, with Sean Payton, probably one of the best offensive minds in the game. And then you have Dennis Allen, which is an up-and-coming uh, defensive coordinator who really is having success with a, a underwhelming roster, I would say. You know, uh, you know, I'm a Saints fan, but I can admit it, you know, when you look at us, we haven't been the best defensive team for the past decade. You know, but... You know, we we got we you know we drafted a Davenport. You know, we we drafted you know a a, um, a, a Marshawn Lattimore with with a with a top fifteen pick uh, a year before last. You know, we drafted a, a, a we traded up to get Davenport, and then you know we drafted a Sheldon Rankins. You know, and I think that Dennis Allen had a great you know a hand in mind to 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 say, hey, look, we need to you know focus on the defensive end. And it has paid off wonders for us. And, you know, we're not the top in defense categories, but, you know, you look at our talent across the board, you know, what Dennis Allen is able to drop week in and week out, you know, it just shows the importance of a great defense of mine. And I think they got that with tie balls. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, if you look around the league, too, you know, the, the, the Bucks definitely had to make a change because you look around the league, but everybody besides maybe the Ravens, and maybe the Seahawks, you know, they're starting to put a Trump on the, you know, not be a run first team necessarily, but want to be a, you know, a pass happy league, you know, and that's just what the league is going to. And these defenses aren't necessarily going into defenses of shutting down people, but the defense are going to a league of, you know, wanting to like force turnovers, you know, get turnovers, get the ball back in their offensive hand. You know, that's what defenses are focusing focus on now, and it's kind of hard with the way the rules are set up now in the league where it's, you know, it's more favored towards the offense, the offense moving the ball down the field, these penalties for hits, tackles on the quarterback, different rules like that, it makes it hard on the defense to really shut a team down. And so defenses, you can see now, are, are more focused on getting those turnovers and, you know, getting the ball back to the yeah. offense. Yeah. Well, we're not about to make this a Bucks podcast because I don't really. Yeah. I'm not too fond. I'm not too fond of the Bucks. So, what are some other interesting things? What about the guy, the uh, assistant coach that they uh, grabbed up from? Uh, I think you mentioned it earlier from USC. What you think about that? I mean, I like it. What, so he, the, the, he must be a hell of a coach for them to take an offensive coordinator in college and. Believe that he's the guy to be. That, we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals. He's the guy to be their head coach. Yeah, that's it's kind of surprising. He came. He played. Um, I think a lot of people are impressed with his offensive mind. You know, and they again, I think it was the Sean McVay effect. It had to be. You know, you go and get a young guy. Cliff you Cl- go, Cliff Kingsbury. You got to be professional for the listeners. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Got hired by the Arizona Cardinals, former offensive coordinator by of USC. Go ahead, Lou. Right. So you know they got an offensive mind, a coach that coached that you know that did well at USC and drew up some good plays. And so I think that's what the the thinking of you know that's what the league you know they they seen how much success the Rams have had with you know having a young bright mind come in and being able to relate to the younger players in these. Generation is different, you know. what I'm saying you're not going to get, 
you know, these old school coaches want to come in and rah, 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 you know, and go at it, you know, with these players. And I'm the boss. you got to find a great communicator, a good office of mind these days. And I think that's what they're looking for, you know, is to be to be seen if they can actually, you know, if he's going to actually do something and turn things around there. But, I mean, I like the move for him, but I don't know if they have the pieces for him to be great there just yet. So it's going to take some time. Yeah, I, I yeah I do think it's gonna take some time. Uh, I think that it's a a big transition from coaching college games to NFL games. But um, I really don't have no predictions or expectations for it. All I knew is that things had gotten stale in in uh, Arizona. Um, so I do think that they wanted some uh, offensive uh, changes there, like you mentioned. But I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. You know, from a college from a college coach uh, climbing the ranks. What was even more interesting to me was that, uh, you know, all this week it's been reports leaking out there saying that uh, that he, you know, would basically quit his job before he had one, you know, in order to have the right to interview with NFL teams. I thought that was interesting. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now that we know that he got the job, he probably – pretty much had inside that he was going to get the job. So that was a, work, a risk worth taking. But when they announced that, I was like, man, he must really, really have something in the bag to leave your job before you got another one. So, right. but right. Uh, and it was, it was fillers around for him, you know, and I think early in the season, the Rams would think about picking him up and signing him. But I think he may have gotten wind that he had options to be a head coach instead of coming on as an assistant with us. I think the Rams are looking at bringing him on, you know, like mid-season or something, and maybe using his office of mind going forward. And I liked the, the idea of it, but, you know, nothing really came of it, you know. And, of course, now he's a head coach. But it's it's interesting because, you know, it, with him being a younger guy, you know, him, like you mentioned, not being necessarily having the experience of being in the NFL, um, it's kind of scary you know, taking that chance, but I think with taking this chance, you know, people think, look at it as the Rams took a chance with a 32-year-old at the time, he was 31, I think, and he got hired, and was like, you know, at the time, I'll be honest, I was like, what? A 32-year-old? But again, this day and age, you gotta be able to communicate to these players. It's a different day and age. Yeah, I think the trend is hiring younger coaches. The younger, the better. I think that that's becoming a trend. Um, so, uh, like you mentioned earlier, again, I want to go through. We're going through the coach, coach, coaching carousel, if you will, in the NFL that's going on. So, uh, uh, Adam Gase, uh, it's crazy that he left the head. He got fired in Miami, and now it was announced, breaking news, not too long ago, that he would be joining. The Dolph, I mean the Jets, as the head coach. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that uh, you know, he got fired. He didn't do that good of a job in Miami, but he's picked up that fast. Like the Jets must see something that the Dolphins didn't. I, I mean, what is? I mean, what is that about? I think, in my mind, I think sometimes it's all about match, and sometimes things just don't match. You know, it can be personalities. It can be somebody saying, "Hey, you know, we tried this and." You can be GM and him not getting along. You know, it's a lot of different variables that can go into it. And or the Jets simply like, you know what? 
we do have the quarterback in place. The Miami Dolphins don't. You know, yeah, that's they have true. Ryan Tannehill, who's, you know, not has never really been elite. He's been maybe above average at best, you know. So they didn't really have the pieces in place. Everybody liked the idea of being in Miami. You know, and there's always been a rumor that, you know, it's hard for teams, for Miami to be successful because of the life of Miami, you know, because of, you know, you have the beach there. Because, you know, they're kind of like that, almost like L.A. feel, but, you know, even worse, I hear that it is in Miami. So that's always been kind of like the thing in Miami that it's hard to succeed in Miami. Yeah, it's nice, you know, nice weather, things of that nature. But, you know, if you don't have the pieces in place, which he didn't, you know, Adam Gates didn't there, you know. Um, it's going to be hard to win. I like his chances better with the Jets, who has a boat, boat, boatload of money and who has a young quarterback to go with it. So, Yeah, I give you that, bro. I, I, I don't think that they they had uh, anything good in place there in Miami. And I think that Miami was a mess. You know, they got rid of Jarvis there, which was a weapon for them. Um, they, they, they got rid of... Uh, uh, He's with the he's hurt with the eagle. Jay Ajayi, you know it just don't seem it just doesn't seem like you know they're able to keep weapons there, you know, and you know they didn't really have too much success, you know, with those weapons. So, you know, I agree, man. I mean, I think that you know it may just be a a, a change in scenery that uh, that will cause him to you know have greater success in New York than he did in Miami. So, uh, stay on that coaching trend, uh, but switching leagues, uh, do you feel like this is the decline of Alabama? We watched them in the national championship game uh, last night. Did you watch the game? Uh, two nights ago, yeah. Two nights ago. That hell was two nights ago? Yeah, it's crazy, right? I know. I've been, yeah. I've been glorifying it. I've just been so happy since that game, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I feel like it's, it was just yesterday. <laughs> No, I, I I think I don't think it's the end of Alabama. We still got one more year or two. You know, we got maybe two or three more years of Trevor Lawrence. So possibly, you know, the talk is seeing that matchup again. You know, so I don't think it's the end of Alabama. Alabama still has a top recruiting class coming into this year. You know, and they still got Nick Saban. In, you know, I think the, the team that has has their number is of course Clemson. You know, they can't take Clemson lightly. You know, well, it's obvious. When you dissect the game, I mean, the defensive coordinator for Clemson deserves a raise, if not a head coaching job. Because he did an excellent job of knocking a great quarterback with, uh, in Tua off his post. And they, he was able to get there every single, you know, whenever he wanted. And, you know, Tua was uncomfortable. Like, even when... Even when the pressure didn't come, Tua was uncomfortable. And I, I hadn't seen Tua be that uncomfortable all year. And, I, I mean, you got to credit the defense coordinator. I look at, you know, not even beyond the, what, the second or third play in the game, Tua's interception. What a oh, corner, my God. What a corner, yeah, what a corner showed, you know, man, and, and he was actually in the zone and picked Tua off, and Tua was dumbfounded. Everybody was dumbfounded because Tua – is a smart football player. He wouldn't have made that play if he knew it exactly what it was. But they did a great job in disguising it. And, you know, that goes that goes all credit to the defensive coordinator for Clemson. Yeah, uh, that trap list was that. When I saw that play and I was watching the game or whatever, because 
watching the game, you know, Clemson came out and they got stopped their first drive. And I was like, oh, here we go. You know, down in the defense, Alabama showing up, you know. This Trevor Lawrence, you know, true freshman. True freshman. Ridiculous. You know, got stopped his first drive. And then, you know, they came out, you know, Alabama came out second, third play, like you mentioned, and they did that traveling. So I was like, okay, you know, this team is well coached. You know, they're ready for Alabama. And Alabama fed the ball right to them, right where they wanted to be, you know. And so I, I love that play, you know. And I think, you know, Tua did answer after that play and threw a long ball. So I will give him credit for that. He did ask, he did go to the sideline after the interception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Patty Sesson knew that, hey, I messed that one up, you know. And I, you know what? Someone speak on that a little bit. That kind of, I don't like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that tripped me out, man. Really? Like, even when, as basketball, as any sport, like, like especially football or or basketball, like, you see a player like, oh, yeah, 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 that's my fault. Like, no crap, that was your fault. Like, who's <laughs> fault? Like, what is that saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, you feel like that was so, more of, like, like to, like, uh, more of, like, a... Uh, uh, you think that it had like a, uh, like a, I guess a selfish motive behind it that he did Maybe. that. Was, I, I just don't get it though. It was, a, like it was everybody a, seen, yeah. Everybody seen you throw an interception. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we know it's your fault. Ball. Like it was nobody but your fault. Right. You turn the ball over. You pat your chest like, oh yeah, yeah, that's my fault. Like, duh. It was a terrible pass. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, same thing. Like that doesn't give you no props saying, oh yeah, yeah, that's my fault. Like. Thomas Venables. I mean, remember that name. Thomas Venables. He will be a head coach. I'm predicting high take. I don't have any inside information. I don't know. But he will be a head coach very soon somewhere. Because after the performance that he did and the preparation that he showed, you know, because I look at even when uh, clips and players were making plays, it was a lot of times they was just in the right position. And, and Thomas Venables, the deepest coordinator for Clemson, put them in the right position to succeed, and I mean, I'm, I was thoroughly impressed. But I'm gonna say something, Lois, and they they might kill me for it on Twitter or whatever. But I don't care. I'm I'm a you know I'm a, I'm gonna come up. I don't know if this is gonna be a hot take or what. I think that this is the beginning of the end of the dynasty in Bama. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I think that the strength the the strength. In what Nick Saban has done in the past decade has been in his staff. Okay, you look around the league in it, uh, his staff. His staffs have turned into his opponent. You look at Jimbo Fisher down there at Texas A&M. You look at, you know, he has at least three or four of the coaches in college that are head coaches to this day. His coaches, you know, even you know, you look at, uh, you know, uh. I can't even pronounce his name. I ain't going to try. Office coordinator, well, former office coordinator for the Falcons. They just fired him, but, well, you know. Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. You know, like, all of his coaches are, like, against him. Now, I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. You know, when I looked at the game and, for instance, the fake punt. I mean, the fake field goal. After that fake field goal, it's fourth and six. 
and you choose to run it with your third string quarter, your unathletic third string quarterback, and they flash to the sideline, and Nick Saban is basically looking at at his uh, defensive quarter, I mean his uh, special teams coach, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why did you do that? Like, why would you, why would you, you know, run it on fourth and six? Then, you know, later on in the game, it was a lot of questionable offensive calls by Alabama. You're down inside the five. You choose to run it twice. Don't get it. And then it's an obvious passing down. You're obviously passing on third. And then they try to run it again, I guess, and they didn't get it. Or they tried to make a pass and didn't get it. And, again, they flash the sideline. He's looking at his offensive coordinator like, what the, you know, what's going on? Like, what, what, what the heck? Like, why would you do that? You know, I'm thinking that it's really like a a strength in in his staff. He doesn't he didn't have the strong staff uh, that he has had in the past, and I think that there was a lot of questionable offensive play calling. There was a lot of questionable defensive play calling, and of course the special teams. And in that, it, you know, the special teams with the fake uh, field goal, I think that's the beginning of the decline. He doesn't have the staff that he used to have around him. Yeah, I. I what you think that. about I, that, man? I mean, you make a solid point. You make a, a, a real solid point on that, you know, and I agree with you, you know. But you know, I think it's just hard, you know, because Nick Saban is a, a coach of. You can tell he's kind of like he likes things a certain way. And I remember guys going to his camps when we were at LSU. He practices hard, you know what I'm saying. And then you still got the allure of him just being able, I don't know what he's telling these kids in these recruiting visits or whatever, but he still is getting the top recruits. And so that's what makes it hard. Like maybe he don't have the coaching, but he got the players, you know what I'm saying? And he can make coaches. You can find coaches anywhere. Everybody want to come and, you know, be in, in part of a winning situation. So that's what kind of make it hard for me to say it's the end. I think it won't necessarily be the end until Nick Saban leaves there, you know, because Nick Saban just has that type of pull. He has that type of system. Everywhere he goes, besides the NFL, of course, forget the Dolphins. Anyway, besides the NFL, of course, you know, he does well. Uh, yeah, I can see that. That's valid. But, I mean, I, I thought that that was interesting. And I, I, did, I mean, I, I didn't. I thought that that was interesting for me to, you know, for me to notice. And... I mean, when I when I when I saw that, I just had to point it. Out. I was like, man, he his staff is not where he used to be, and I don't think he believes in his staff around him. But you know, that's neither here or there. You know, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a LSU Tiger man. So I mean, whenever anything's happened negatively towards Bama, <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> so I don't really care. I don't care about that. So, I was so good uh, at that Monday night, man, after that game. I was like, oh, yeah. Now, just, you get tired of seeing the same team <laughs> win after. Yeah. Win, I mean, unless you know, it's your team. <laughs> unless it's yeah. your team. But, uh, so, speaking of LSU Tigers, uh, interesting with Eric Reed. Uh, should we discuss that? Yeah. I, yeah. I think so, we'll touch on that. let's give it a background to the listeners uh, before we get started with that. So, Eric Reed, of course, he's been... Uh, very vocal in the Kaepernick movement, if we should put that on it. Uh, with with uh, he was one of the, he was the, he was the first player other than Kaepernick to kneel during the halftime. I mean during the Star Spangled Banner in the, in the pregame, and 
uh, it was a big deal, of course, with the kneeling, you know, and of course they were kneeling just because of the injustices that's going uh, in the world, not disrespect towards anybody that has served in the military, of course. Uh, and, you know, uh, Eric Reed, you know, along with Kaepernick, who is still not in the league, uh, was pretty much blackballed um, when Eric Reed's contract was up. The 49ers didn't sign him back. And Eric Reed is probably one of the best safeties in the league. I would say, I think he's declined a little bit. I, I would still put him in the top, what, what would you say, Lowe's about seven? Top, six, top seven. Top yeah, he, he's definitely in that top ten of safety. Yeah, top ten. That's good. That's a good mark. And, you know, uh, but so the, the Panthers finally decided to, to put him on the league and uh, put him on the team. And uh, he's been performing pretty, pretty, you know, he's been pretty quiet. Uh you know, but he's still been uh, very, very productive. Uh, but anyway, you know, at a certain point, he started saying that he uh, was being drug tested, quote unquote, randomly. And uh, according to him, he said he was drug tested seven times um, uh, back to back, you know, so uh, ran- randomly. And, and tested supposedly randomly, and he was just saying that he felt like he was being targeted. So uh, today, reports came out saying that. Uh, the NFL, nor did the NFL union found any evidence that he was being targeted. And then a private reporting came out and said that he actually exaggerated the amount of times he was actually tested, uh, drug tested, which will, will, will ruin his credibility going forward. But my thing is, is that it's weird because you want to get behind a guy like that who's standing up for a cause bigger than himself. But, I mean, I kind of was, you know, raising my eyebrow when I heard that report today. Yeah, man. I, I, don't know, I, I, don't know, I don't know if Eric Reed responded to that report. When I did see that, I was just like, wow. You know, you're making this big deal about you getting drug tested constantly, weekly, or seven times, or how many times he mentioned. You're kind of like, man, that's not fair, man. Why are they treating this guy like that? You know, don't. You know, I don't know what he said to normally exaggerate Now, if he exaggerated by one, you know, if it was not seven, but it was six, then, okay, it's still ridiculous. That's not, you know, let's not forget the, the facts of it. So, I'm interested to see how much did he actually exaggerate on this, you know what I'm saying? If it was like, okay, he said he had seven, and, you know, he really had six, then it's interesting. You know, it's still, you know, more than if they usually get drug tested. And so... Um, I mean, I'm re- waiting on more to come out. You know, I don't want to jump to conclusions just because, you know, one of the top ESPN reporter reported something. You know, you don't know who, you know, who's working with who, who's saying, hey, just tweet this. You know, we know Ian Rappaport and Adam Scheffner are, you know, probably the two powerful most Twitters, you know, two powerful most Twitters in the world. And so, you know, you don't know who's behind that telling them to tweet this, say this, you know, you know, make a player look bad or whatever. You know, so I'm waiting for the true facts to come out before I really judge Eric Reed, you know. But I hope for his sake that, you know, he didn't exaggerate extremely. He only got tested twice. And, you know, he's out here saying seven or eight. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, just like you say, I, I'm waiting on more facts to come out before I can, you know, really make a a, a judgment on, on him. But, um uh, 
I will say this, you know, uh, as me and you both, we we were both classmates of Eric Reed, you know, at LSU. We both were at LSU at the same time. I actually took a class with him. Uh, he seemed like a pretty stand-up guy to me. Uh, I, you know, when he, when he came out that he was uh, taking, you know, a stand like this, it wasn't no surprise to me because, you know, just being around him a little bit, you know, it, it seemed like he really is a stand-up guy. He's, a you know, a person that, that is uh, – that moves uh, very morally, morally sound. And, you know, when you look at a, fo- a star football player like he was at LSU and he attended class, like he really attended class. And, you know, uh, he really cared about school and, you know, he, his GPA was high. He was an athlete. You know, it just really seemed like he did everything the right way. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very hesitant to – to really jump to conclusions after a report saying he overstated the amount of times that he was drug tested. But it does, just like I say, it does make you raise an eyebrow because I know that uh, any any stance that he, you know, when you're taking a stance like he's taking it as powerful as him as Kaepernick, him and Kaepernick, then, you know, you know the outside, the opposing people will look for any way that they can to uh, diminish your stance or diminish your character, or diminish what you're standing for. And I would just hope that, you know, he wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't have allowed them an easy way to do that with exaggerating the amount of times that he was tested. So, you know, it is something interesting to look out for, but you do have to be careful about, you can't believe every report that you uh, that you see. But, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, at the end of the day that, you know, when it's resolved and all said and done that, that wasn't the case and that he was, you know, telling the truth. Right, right, absolutely. Um, it's just one of those things, like, you made an excellent point, man. Like, you, you can't stress it enough. When you taking that type of stand, man, you know that you under a microscope. They looking for anything, anything, yeah. anything to make you look bad. So I, I hope I say he did not, man. Like yeah. you said, I hope he did not. I hope he didn't. Yeah. But I don't agree with Stephen A. when he says that he needs to get over the random drug testing. I mean, if he feels as though that he's being, uh, uh, I mean, and a guy like Eric Reed, you know, I don't know him personally. I don't want to speak on that man. I don't know what he does. I don't know, you know, what he does on the behind the back. I just come to speak on, you know, I've been around him a few times. I, you know, just the vibe that I get. But you know, I think that. You know, the only way to, to deflect being randomly drug tested is making sure that you're not doing drugs. So I think that Eric Reed is smart enough to know that it's not about the fact that I'm not doing drugs, but it's about really speaking out against being targeted. And, you know, a guy like him, you know, he made his stance clear that he doesn't believe in injustices. So I do think it's important that he, if he feels as though he is being targeted, it is important for him as a star safety and you know that that is on a team to 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 you know um, vocalize it. Right. No, I agree with you, man. I agree. I agree. I think I think this movement, you know, and he's withholding it, and you know he stands strong with it. In respect to him, you know, he's probably one of the first players, you know, that was going so strong for that movement to actually get some type of deal going on with. You know the league because if you looked around the league, you know all the safeties were on hold because of that. You know nobody wanted to sign Eric Reed, and Eric Reed was the best safety on, you know, the market, and so he killed the market for the safeties. You know, mm-hmm. and so and, and it's just he didn't kill it. You know, don't get me wrong, I right, want to right, say right, that. Right. 
you know, let me let me, let me clear that up. He didn't kill it, but you know, these owners and stuff didn't want that, you know, and so they killed it for everybody else. So um, it's it's interesting, you know, and I can't wait to see what happens because I mean, once you get drug tested, I'm sure if he's telling the truth, he can really pull out receipts, and so that's what make it kind of hard to believe that you know Adam Scheffner would, I believe it was Adam Scheffner would tweet something like that if it wasn't true, because again, if he was getting drug tested like this. There's some type of paperwork behind it that he can show that, hey, I actually did get drug tested this many times, you know. Maybe it wasn't seven, but I did get drug tested six, you know. So either way, you know, he can say, okay, compared to this many, this player, these players, um, you know, they only got tested this much. I got um, tested twice as much as anybody else. So he still can make a case and make himself don't look as you know, crazy as the report, because again, the tweet that was sent out was very, it, it, it discredited him, but it didn't give a lot of information. Right, 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 right. So, you know, I mentioned, it's something that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on, uh, and uh, I did a little research, and it doesn't look like Eric Rudy has responded yet, so that's not a good sign. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, <laughs> but, like you say, like you say, receipts will shut that down immediately. Yeah. But hey, but hey, right, look, I'm reserving judgment till the end. So, man, we discussed the coaching. Oh, we discussed everything football. We cannot go any further without discussing these NFL playoffs. So, lay it on me. We said last episode, uh, Ramon in his absence. We'll discuss it when he gets back. We've already discussed it off air, but. Lamar Jackson, you know, he didn't he didn't really play too well in his in his well, playoff he debut. Too well for the first three quarters. No, he okay. didn't. Yeah, but it was too late. He, he showed up in the fourth, but it was too late. No, absolutely. And so, um, going into the and game, what you think about what you think about more specifically, you know, he wasn't pulled. Uh, you know, just like Tua should have been pulled in the Bama championship game Monday. Like he wasn't pulled. It's, I mean, Tua eventually got pulled. But yeah, late, late. Pulled, but it was late. late. Yeah, it was in the cleanup minutes. Right. And so, I mean, they, all they pretty much gave, you know, um, Tua's backup. I can't think of his name. What's his name? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Sorry. Uh, so, Jalen Hurts, all they gave Jalen Hurts was a quarter to work with, really. And they were already down multiple scores. So, I mean, you was asking for a miracle at that point. So, um... It's interesting. Um, back to Lamar Jackson, you know, I think they made the right move. I think right now they're pretty much done with Flacco. They look at the money that they paid Flacco. Um, John um, Harbaugh, he's going to stay there a long term. And so they're looking at it as a move of, okay, I'm staying with this kid. You know, he's got us this far. You know, um, he went, I think he lost, he won, you know, he's only lost two, you know, this last, you know, multiple games that he's played. And so he's, he, you know, he carried that team to the playoffs, you know, and I think you don't get to the playoffs and, you know, move from that guy, you know, that could ruin his confidence, that can ruin a lot of stuff, that can, you know, you lose that game anyway, we put Flacco in, that can have questions being raised then, you know, so you don't, I think they made the right decision. You live and you die with a player that got you there to that far, and I think you, um, you pretty much, you just make it to where, you know, you got no questions at the end of who's going to be my quarterback going forward. Then you got it to where Flacco, now you can trade him, get pieces. You know, you can get rid of his contract, you know, pick up, you know, get some extra money on your books, 
and then you can build behind Lamar Jackson and maybe get him to work on um, actually work on you know his passing and, and becoming a better passer in the league. I actually disagree with you. I I think that they really should have put in Joe Flacco if they you know I understand what you're saying about you know. Uh, you know, showing confidence in your in your future franchise quarterback, but when you, when you look at Joe Flacco and you know he's a Super Bowl champion, he has plenty of playoff experience. I don't know why you wouldn't give it a shot uh, and put in Joe Flacco uh, to to maybe salvage that win against the Chargers. Uh, when you look at the game, I mean, it, it was a game. You know, when you look at the game flow. You know, if they would have got some type of offense ignited, they would have been right there. And you look at how poorly they performed offensively throughout the game, and they only lost by six points. You know, twenty three to seventeen. So, I, I do understand that the Chargers is a tough defense to face, but I do I, I think they should have I think they should have gave Joe Flacco. I think he deserved. I think he's earned the right. Excuse me in, in his uh in his career to earn that moment to, to be able to get a shot at trying to win that game. Yeah, I see that side of it. I see that side of it. But I think the the Ravens were at a point where they were done with Flacco. And you can see it's clear. You can see before the game, you know, you got When they drafted him, when they drafted Lamar, they, they, they made their they made their stance pretty clear that they was moving on from Joe. Right, right, absolutely. And so you've seen, you know, reports and stuff come out before the game that, hey, they're going to respect Joe Flacco and they're going to either trade him or, you know, uh, release him um, at the end of this year. So Joe Flacco, obviously, he's going to move on. You know, and I, I, I take my hat off to Joe Flacco because he's been 100% professional. You get guys that are pout on the bench. You will get guys that'll just, you know, blow up the team, leave and do different things, you know, that just can't take it. You know, Joe Flacco, you know, believe, you know, you know, like it or not, he's a champion quarterback. He's won one. You know, he has that championship under his belt. So, um, you know, that's kind of hard for him to swallow. So I like that, you know, how professional he's been throughout this whole process. And, you know, he's going to get a chance to be somewhere else, you know. No, I don't know where, but he's going to get that chance to be somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. There's too many teams that need quarterbacks. When you look at Miami, uh, <laughs> they need a quarterback. Um, you know, I think that you know, you know, it's plenty of teams that will be looking to, you know, try to, you know, get a swag at Joe. But uh, much respect to Joe, man. He's a Super Bowl champion. I hate how people disrespecting him, man. I remember when he first started off as a rookie. You know how well he played. You know, so it's it's just it's just weird to see the decline. Uh, you know of Joe, but um, you know, but shout out to Lamar, man. He's he's a stand up guy, man. Like you look at the fourth quarter, you look at the game he he had had in the past. You know, he was he was playing. He was on pace to have the least amount of yards in playoff history, passing. And uh, he ended the game like a true soldier. And, you know, he, when he threw that touchdown pass to Crabtree, you know, he never gave up, man. He got some fight in him. He's going to be a good one. The Ravens really got them a good one, bro. He, they really got him a good one. I think they, you know, one thing John Harborough did prove in leaving Lamar out there was he might have looked at this season as a loss and, and may, may have said, like, you know, I want to show the fans. I want to show the franchise 
what type of quarterback we have in Lamar Jackson. What type of future do we have? And I think Lamar has proved them that the franchise may be in good hands, you know? Yeah, they definitely got young pieces. You know, they definitely got, you know, I think it. they're going to need to find, you know, now that they know who their quarterback is, they're going to have to find pieces that are going to match more of Lamar Jackson's skill set. You know what I'm saying? They did make do what they had. But maybe you get you pick up some bigger receivers that maybe can block on the edge. You know, maybe you do that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you um you go out and you get, you know, um a, a, a more of a, a running back that's more option that can run the option better with Lamar, you know, you know, maybe a quicker runner, you know, a faster runner, you know. Um I know they had, you know, Edward Edwards at the end of the year. Uh, which he did, he did decent, you know, and I know they had Kenneth Dixon from uh, Louisiana Tech, which he also did Dixon, but these guys are just north and south guys. I think they, if they find them a, a special running back um, and, you know, get some, some big receivers to kind of block on the edge and just go with it, you know, because right now they're the only team out there, you know, again, besides the Seahawks, they're out here doing this run first, you know, while all, the, all these other teams are going fast pace and trying to put up points. So I think I like the direction that they're going in, you know, just, you know, they're floating on their own way. Yeah. Yeah. So the Chargers, which we didn't mention, Phillip Rivers, I think he played pretty well. Um, he's in, he's in stride. Uh, we'll go to face the, uh, the Patriots, right? No, they, yeah, no, they so won't. Char- no, they won't. No, they won't. Right? Yes, they will. The, the Chargers co- are going against the Patriots, and the the Colts are going to the Chiefs. Okay, I had it right. Right. Okay, so the AFC matchups of the playoffs are set. We got the Chargers and the Chiefs, and we got two. I mean, uh, oh, the Chargers and the and the Patriots, and we got the Chiefs and the Colts. To Ramon's delight, because he's a Colts fan. Who you got in those matchups, man? So I got the Chargers winning, and I have. Wow, the Chargers knocking off them Patriots, huh? Yeah, I mean, I got the Chargers finally winning and beating the Patriots because crazy record. Phillip Rivers has never beat Tom Brady. Wow, Isn't that crazy! All those years in the league, he's thirty-seven years old and has never beat Tom Brady. Yes, yes. So it, that's crazy to me, but. So you think he'll finally do it? He'll finally do it on when they play on Saturday. No, they play Sunday. They play Sunday noon. Yeah. So um, I think they have. I think they have the best chance to knock them off. They have the best team. I think you know. Yeah, they had the most complete team in the AFC to me. Right. And people look at me crazy when I say that, but. When you look at Darren James and you look at their defense, you know, you look at Bosa on that line, like you look at their defense, they have one of the best defenses in the well, they do have one of the best defenses in the league. And, you know, they offense, I don't even have to speak on that when you got Keenan Allen and you got Gordon who you don't like in the backfield. <laughs> and then you got Phillip Rivers as your quarterback. Yeah, forever hurt Gordon. But yeah, I mean I <laughs> He got hurt he got like hurt uh, in the playoffs this weekend. Oh, I know, I know, I know. That's just, that's just M.O., but, you know. I, <laughs> the shade. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I mean, I like their chances, you know, and I think they have the best chance to knock out the Patriots. And then if you go to the Colts and the Chiefs, out of respect for the, for 
from Ramon. You know, I didn't give the, the coach a chance. <laughs> yeah, you disrespected that man last week, man. <laughs> so, I'm going I'm to go ahead. I'm going to say the coach is going to win this year. Play a little reverse. Oh, look at this. Look at this. I wish Ramon was here. I'm, Ramon, I'm going to hold it down for you, man. Look. Don't try to hop on the bandwagon now, man. Don't have a don't try to have a Drake effect on the Colts, man. Like you said, the Colts ain't gonna do nothing, and they look pretty doggone good this past you know weekend what? versus the Texans. You know the Colts, you know, the underrated part about the Colts this year is their pass defense, and that going into the year, that was a team that I was targeting receivers to in fantasy football and daily fantasy because. They had a bunch of no-name guys that, you know, they kind of signed off the street. They didn't. They had just gotten rid of Vontae Davis, who later retired at halftime during the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, you know, and they they got rid of Vontae Davis. And so I was like, looking at that team, I was like, oh, teams are going to pass all over them. But little did we know that that was the strong point. You know, they shut pretty much shut down. You know, your boy, um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, well, my boy, who I think is the best receiver in the game. Yeah, he really he, he really proved it this weekend, Los. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he got shut down, so I was like, nice. And so, I mean, <laughs> I got to give respect to their pass defense, and I'm interested to see how they hold their own against this tough Chiefs team who, you know, who's shown that they can air it out and score on anybody, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that, man. I, I, I mean, I see what you're saying. Um, but, yeah, like, I, uh, uh, I guess for my, it's time to get my uh, guess. I, I agree with you. I think that, I think, I, it's, even though it's hard for me to count the Patriots out, but because the Chargers have the most complete team, I do have the Chargers coming out of that one unscathed and advance to the AFC Championship. And I think the Colts will advance, too. I, I don't believe in the Chiefs. Uh, mainly because I think in the playoffs you have to have a sound defense in order to, you know, have a chance. And the Chiefs all year have improved to be a good defensive sound team. They've relied heavily on their on their high-powered offense to win games, and I don't think that's going to work. Uh, so I, I got the Colts and the Chargers. Uh, just, you know, I had the Colts and the Chargers in the, in the, in the AFC. And who would have thought that, you know? And I, I'm sure uh, Ramon probably – when he hears this, he's going to be somewhat smiling. But, I, yeah, I have the Colts and the, and the Chargers in the AFC. So, let's move on to the NFC. You have my Saints playing those Eagles. But we can't move on to the NFC side of things until we discuss <laughs> the Chicago Bears. Absolutely. The Bad News Bears. They played... Uh, pretty much a field goal game. All you know, the offense really kind of didn't show up. Or they forgot the offense forgot to show up for the playoff game. But it came down to that field goal. They still had a chance to win the game, <laughs> and and he missed it. But he after making it the first time. Yeah. Um, but the, but the NFL came out officially and say that it was actually. It was actually tipped, so yes. we can't go too hard on him. Yes, I was just about to mention that. I was like, you know, and that's why, you know, if you listen to him talk after the game, and, you know, I got to give respect to that guy, you know, because after the game, he was like, you know, I kicked the good ball. Everything felt good. I think this is before he knew it was tipped. And so, and then, you know, that just shows you right there that, you know, he knew right away that, you know, um, that something was going on, something was off. And, you know, I also want to give props to him because, you know, he still looked up 
and he gave thanks to God even after missing. So that kind of I kind of gained some respect for him. You yeah, know, like, yeah. You know, some players right there they lose faith and all that stuff, but he still kind of you know what? Even in the midst of this, probably my worst moment that you know um, I'm gonna probably get killed for this. You still look up and you give thanks to God. So you know I got I gotta you know give him props to that you know that aspect of it. You know, and so, um, you know, and Kobe, you know, you got players like Kobe tweeting you, you know, and, um, you know, retired Hall of Famers like Kobe tweeting you saying, hey, you know what, the only way to shake this is to get back in the lab, you know, make them forget about this, and you put in double the work now. So this type of stuff make people, make players, you know what I'm saying? You replay that situation in your head. Yeah, I mean, he's a stand-up guy. I think he ends up there, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I... I mean, I, I, I mean, just knowing Bears fans, bro, like, they not going to hold. I know I personally work with a Bears fan. Uh, uh, he's from Chicago, and he's a diehard Bears fan. He said, we do not care that it was blocked. You know, we don't look at him any differently. He's like, he shouldn't have a job next year. You know, Bears are very, Bear fans are very compassionate. You know, they have a long history of success years ago. <laughs> the shade. But, you know... I mean, I think that, you know, it's just they had a great season, man. They had a great season, and for at the end on a missed field goal, it's just, it's just, it's almost disheartening as me last year with the Minnesota Miracle. Like, you know, like, I was talking with my coworker who's a Bears fan. I was like, man, like, I was like, I, I still feel like our moment was worse than y'all. You know, yeah. I, and you know because we pretty much had the game in the bag. Like they needed a miracle to win that thing. We and then we was we, the Super Bowl was on the line almost. because we, we probably would have ran through the Eagles because of how Minnesota got blown out. We would have probably ran through the Eagles, but you know it, it's just like it just was so disheartening. But you know I talked with him and he said, "Man, he's like, man, I, I feel like that was one of the most." Uh, heartening thing since the Chicago Cubs in the World Series in the World Series where he mentioned where a fan, uh, like uh, I I think reached over and and like caught the ball caught the pop fly and it caused him to lose the game or something like that. I don't know. He mentioned something in the eighties, so that's when he grew up. <laughs> but you know, he said it was, it felt like that, which was one of those moments that like you just feel like disheartening, like you you really feel like depressed for the rest of the week. And you know that's how I felt with with the Minnesota Miracle. So I, I I feel for those Bears fans, bro. Yeah, I, I gotta feel for them too. You know, it's just it's, and I think that's the pressure of the playoffs, and that's why I love the playoffs because you played well all year. You can have the best right, team right. all year, but it ain't about having the best team. You know what I'm saying? It's about who shows up that the, that game, and you gotta think about it. It's no, you can always have the mindset of the regular season of, hey, you know what? Yeah, we lost, but yeah, we got next week. And so that what puts more pressure on those teams and those players going forward, you know, is that, hey, you know, we don't have next week to go to. It's win or go home. And so that's the pressure of the playoffs. That's why everything gets scrutinized. That's why these players are under a little bit more stress because they know that, hey, there's no next week. This is it. We got two or three more drives to go to make this happen. Otherwise, we're going home. You know, this right. is it. After having the best record or one of the best records all year, we're about to go home to a team that didn't play as well as us all year. Right. And the thing about it that was most upsetting to me, I was kind of rooting for the Bears because 
I wanted to see those cowgirls <laughs> in that division round. You know, I really wanted to see those cowgirls. I really wanted to pay them, pay them back for how they did us in the regular season and knock them out the playoff in a meaningful game. But that that's great. That's a great transition. Just leading to the matchup. So now, because of that loss, the Saints will face the Eagles in in the Big Easy, and. Then we have a great matchup that I'm really, really looking forward to in the NFC. Uh, it's one of those matchups that I'll be glued to the TV. And that's your Rams facing those Cowboys. So, I mean, I think that me being a Saints fan and you being a Rams fan, we're going to break down those matchups, right? And if my mom was here, he would have broke down the Colts matchup. But we're going we're gonna to do it. Do it for our teams. You you want to go first, or you want me to go first? No, you can knock your matchup out. Um, you know, I think you should. All right, all right, all right. So, Saints versus the Eagles. I think I, I don't think we should have a problem with them. Uh, there's reports coming out that Sean Payton rolled up with armed security in the locker room with with the Lamborghini trophy with the two fifty uh, stacked on the two hundred fifty thousand dollars, saying. If you want this, I can't use the expletive, of course, that he used. Win three games. So I, I can only imagine what the locker room was like when 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 that happened. I mean, I I think that the I could imagine the locker room probably exploded in motivation. Uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars representing the bonus that every NFL player on the winning Super Bowl team will will receive if they win, and the LeBron. Trophy without going without explaining. Of course, we know what that means. So I think that they're fired up. Um, we got a, a, a extra week of, of rest, an extra couple weeks of rest. Um, you know, being that we had a, a week one by, which which gave us a chance to get a little healthy. Healthy. Uh, it's been reported that uh, our uh, our uh, defensive lineman that we traded up to get uh, Davenport. Will be back uh, for the just in time for the playoffs, so that'll help us a lot. Um, I don't think that our defense has been bad down the stretch. Uh, I do think that uh, the Eagles will have a little trouble with their with their second with, with their secondary. They're, they're playing with you know then they're playing with a with a running back in Sproles, who's not who he used to be, and you know he he hasn't been a bell cow back his career. He's been a, you know kind of like a gadget player, and you know they're down to their third string running back, so. You know, I'm liking our chances. I always hope we don't come out lackadaisical. So, I think I, th- I have the Saints advancing to, to the uh, conference final. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like the Saints' chances, too. You know, and I think y'all got a good matchup against the Eagles. But I will say this. You know, if Nick folds, you can probably tell by the first half. If he come out slinging and, you know, that and he is moving the ball on the Saints, I think and he has a chance towards the end, I think, you know, they have a chance. They have a shot. You know, I still have the Saints winning your matchup. But moving on to the Rams matchup, um, you know, um, I, I like my team to win it. You know, um, of course, I'm going to have confidence in the L.A. Rams winning it. But, you know, a lot of the top, you know, guys, the top analysts out there, they are saying they do have the Cowboys winning and, you know, and I rightfully so, you know, I think they have the right formula. And I was saying this before the Saints in the Cowboys game. They have the mm-hmm. right formula to con to to, to tame these tie, these high-flying offenses. You know, they have the running game to keep the ball out. 
of you know mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know our offense. They also have a defense that can fly around and keep up with Gurley on these short dump passes. And, you know, if anybody know anything about the L.A. Rams, is part of their offense is these checkdowns. So Gurley is picking up, you know, a lot of yardage off these checkdowns. But they have the linebacker speed to do that. And so that kind of worries me with the Cowboys. And, you know, that's the part where I think maybe they could have advantage. And so the biggest part for the Rams to beat the Cowboys this weekend, they would need to get – you know, obviously stop um, Zeke Elliott, but they need to get make big plays, big plays as to get the Cowboys behind the chains and, you know, make them force Dak to throw the ball down the field. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, uh, I'm really hoping, I mean, like I told you, I, I don't know if I, I think I said it to you earlier, I, I really was hoping that, uh, you know, that the the Cowboys would, you know, uh, advance. Uh, I, I was hoping that the Bears would take care of business so we could face the Cowboys in that divisional round. And, you know, that sentiment still exists. I, I do feel like, uh, I do hope that the Cowboys knock off the Rams in that Saturday night matchup, which I'll be glued to the TV. Uh, don't call me. Like I always say in the big game, don't call me. My phone will be on Do Not Disturb. I will be watching this uh, game. But, you know, I, I just hope because I want my Saints to get another shot at the Cowboys. That's selfish of me. But, you know, the the football fan and the, and the unbiased uh, fan in me, I, I feel like the, the Rams will pull it off. I feel like the Rams have too much to um, to 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 compensate. I do think that, the, that McVay will get with his – with his with his uh, assistant coaches and put together a plan to to make Dak to really pressure Dak into having to make those plays with his arm, and uh, Dak a lot of times make bad poor decisions if you're able to knock him off his post. So I, I, I give y'all you know I think y'all with Talib with uh, with Sue with uh, Donald uh, all pro and I'm sorry all NFL all pro NFL first team Donald. Um, and potential MVP candidate Donald. You know, I, I do think that y'all, I think y'all advance to the NFC. I think y'all be seeing my Saints in that NFC championship. Well, I sure hope so. Yeah. And then we can just talk trash, and then that, that'll be a special podcast episode. <laughs> my Saints versus your Rams in the NFC championship. Wow. Wow, man. We've been through We've been through it, man. We've been friends for years, you know what I'm saying, since the seventh grade. And we've been through some rough years with both our teams, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. for us to be facing each other in the NFC Championship, that would be pretty special to me. I wish we could really go, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be in New Orleans, obviously, if it happens. Yeah. So, you know, I think... If that, you know, of course we're looking ahead, you know, a lot got to happen in between now and that time. But, you know, if that was going to happen, I think you would get a motivated Rams team because just how you want to play the Cowboys because they beat you, you got the Rams who kind of had that that same mindset that, hey, you know, because even after the game, you know, you have players like Marcus Peters who got completely destroyed that game, you know, and that's no secret. You know, he came out and said, okay, Sean, uh, Sean Payton, keep talking, you know, crap, but he used a, another word. You know, we'll see y'all again. You know, I kind of like that aspect. So you get a fired-up team, but you also get a team that during the time that didn't have um, a key to leave out there 
So, you know, you get a team that actually get their web their their defensive players back and then you match up against that Saints offense and see if it's a different ball game. Because if you remember that game, it still was a close game, you know, until that last touchdown they put the Saints up ten points and ultimately, you know, to win the game. It still was a game where it was well within hand because that was a third down when he threw that last pass. You know, the Saints were getting ready to punt the ball if he didn't complete that pass. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It, it, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see, but I don't want to speak, you know, too ahead. So I'm gonna right. just leave it there. You know, both of it. Uh, you know, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll, of course, we'll be talking trash all week, brother. If that happens, if, if we facing you in the NFC Championship, it's gonna be a lot of trash talk. Absolutely. Fun, fun, fun. So these are fun times. I'm I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm watching football all weekend, Los man. I ain't going out the house, man. <laughs> if I do anything, it's gonna be Saturday morning. But as soon as noon hits Saturday, bro, I'm watching football the rest of the day Saturday, Sunday. Don't bother me Sunday because my Saints play and I, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I can't have any distractions. So, you know, it, it's going to be fun, man. I, I love this time of year, man. Yeah, same. I absolutely adore this time of year. But, again, you can love it, then you hate it because your team in at one minute and your team out the next minute. So, you got to, you got to, you, it's, it's that love-hate relationship because after that, yeah, you still watch the games, but you still don't have that same. It's not the. I'm speaking for a player from last year. It's not that same love, and you know that same desire to watch the games after your team get knocked out. Yeah, you still watch right. it, but it's still not. It's still not as fun with your team not even having a chance anymore. So we both kind of experienced that last year with our teams get knocked out of the playoffs. And so, I mean, hopefully our teams go. You know, give us at least another week after this week to see each other or to play again. But eventually somebody got to lose, you know. Either one of our teams, you know, eventually can't make it all the way, both. You know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, one of our teams got to go. You know, the Colts, you know, maybe one of our teams can see the Colts and we can all keep it interesting in the Super Bowl. But, you know, in the NFC, either the Saints or the Rams, somebody got to lose at some point. You know, it might be both of them, knock on wood, you know. Hope that don't happen, but, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So man, we man, we've been over an hour in, man. We gotta talk about some NBA stuff right quick, man. <laughs> man, we're an hour in. Yeah, bro. Like it seems like every episode, like time is passing faster and faster, man. It must mean we having fun. Uh, but you know, let's talk about Tibbs, man. Tibbs lost his job after blowing us out. <laughs> after blowing the Lakers out, Tibbs was fired. So, I mean. Let's just call a spade a spade, man. Tibbs may not be the best head coach, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of players came out of his system and said that he runs his players in the ground. You know? And yeah, that's he, proven. Yeah. And, you know, you see all his players, his former players kind of decline, and they decline fast. That's from all the upper minutes that he was, you know, putting on his players. And so I think Tibbs... You know, he, y'all like him. You know, he's a tough, hard coach, head coach, but he's too, I think he's too set into the old school mindset of things. And so that's what his downfall is. And so um, I like the move. They went and actually got the youngest, you know, um, not got, but they promoted the youngest co- coach 
in the league, you know, 32 before it was Luke Walton at 38. So you see that difference. And so he got his his first win the other night, and you seen that, you know, the 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 Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, team players gave him like a water, you know, kind of like a champagne. Yeah, yeah. Bath they really love him. Like yeah. See. You know, so I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how well he closed out with that team, young coach. You know, it might again, the NBA might go to that too. You know, you start getting that young, young players in to relate. You know, kind of like the NFL is kind of starting to shift too. So, I mean, I think Tibbs. You know, it sometimes you just it's not for you. You gotta hang it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought funny of the of the firing, honestly, to be honest, because I mean, the the, the Tim the Timberwolves was not doing as bad as as you know as the rest of the league. Uh, we we talked about it last week. Uh, the, the the NBA West is pretty much a cluster. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you evaluate the Timberwolves, I think everyone knew that they weren't going anywhere. I think they needed to go in a different direction, and that's what the Timberwolves chose to do. So, you know, I, I, I see, I understand it, and I see it. Uh, but, but again, you know, you know, Tibbs, you know, it, you know, the story is unwritten. You do, you know, just like you mentioned, he's a hard-nosed coach, and, you know, he's had some success, you know. But, you know, I think another team will pick him up eventually. But um, like you said, you know, uh, teams are going in these in this younger, younger direct, younger di- younger coach direction, and uh, it's 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 proven to play pay dividends. So I mean, it's interesting to see down the line, years down the line, how this young coach wave thing pans out. But you know, I I think that it, it it's pretty cool that uh, the younger guys are getting a shot. Yeah, absolutely, no disagreement here, man. Yeah, so. Uh, what, did we talk about Jimmy last week? No, we didn't touch on it. We didn't touch on Jimmy last week. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that he was a a, a, a team. Uh, I guess a, you know he ruins team chemistry, and he, you know, and I'm starting to believe it now, bro. After after the reports of uh, him uh, interrupting film sessions and him calling out the coach in front of everybody and him being unhappy in his role. It's starting to seem like it's a, 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 a replay of what happened in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. So the rumor was, even when Rondo had his stint there with Chicago, was he, does, he doesn't do well with young players, you know. And it's almost like he's on this trip of, you know, these young players, you're not working as hard as me, then, you know, you might as well, you know, not be playing type of type of thing, you know. Or you he has some type of issue, or if he's not getting his shots – now the new thing is he's not getting his shots. He's, he doesn't like his role within the offense and things of that nature. So to me, that says to me this guy's not necessarily about winning because the Philadelphia Sixers aren't doing bad. You know, they're not like they're going on the losing streak or anything of that nature. That just says to me this guy's not necessarily about winning. He's about getting his supplanting his legacy and you know getting his numbers. You know that that kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. You know, I don't, I, I, you know, I said this back in October or November when the move happened. I said, it's only a matter of time until this guy yeah, has issues say. with this team. Right. And so, huh, what's that? No, I was just saying, I was agreeing with y'all saying you're right. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's setting the right example. You know, I don't think that, you know, you kill chemistry when you, you're doing, oh, I'm not getting enough shots and the team is still winning. So that, that speaks volume. That speaks you're a selfish player, you know what I'm saying? And so, 
you know, um, when he got there, everything was all roses. You know, he was hitting game winners. I was like, you know what, this might work. You know, but again, that created a, 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 a environment where Joel and B was like, okay, you know, I'm not getting my shots now. You know, and so it's like, okay, you got two guys. You know, the team, of course, is going to go with the younger player that they drafted. You know, and they're going to make sure he get his in Joel and B. And so, you know, Jimmy, you got to take a backseat. So Jimmy is a free agent this offseason. So it's interesting to see if, you know, um, team, if, if the Sixers start listening to offers, you know, at the deadline um, next month for um, Jimmy Butler or see if they try to hang tough with him and see if they can re-sign him this offseason. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you you told me that just like you said and, and when the move happened October, November, and I was excited about the move, thought it was a new start, but I have to agree with you, man. It, it does seem like he does. It, it's no it's no coincidence, like I mentioned to you guys in the group, me, that he is best friends with Antonio Brown. It seems like they both uh, have the same mentality. You know, it does seem like they are a little bit selfish. Uh, I think that they are elite. But, you know, like I say, I mean, Antonio Brown is a superstar. I feel like uh, Jimmy Butler is just like a star, you know, and it's a big, huge difference. So, you know, when you see him acting this way, he's acting like he's a superstar and he's just a star. So, I mean, I, I do I do feel like he's expendable. And, you know, I, I do feel like if these rumors are true that the Timberwolves will be looking to move him really, really soon uh, and try to get some value for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I just, I hate it. I hate it because, I mean, I wanted to, you know, at, at one point I wanted to see Jimmy do well. Well, I like Cat. If anything, for Cat. I really like Cat and I like his game and I think that he gives it his all every game. And, I, you know, it, it, it's time for him to start seeing some success, you know. And, you know, uh, another problem I wanted to touch on that we didn't last week was uh, uh, Anthony Davis. There's been rumors that he, he may not sign, re-sign with the Pelicans when he's due for free agency. Um, it, it's another guy that, you know, you really feel for. I mean, you know, last week he put up, what, 30, 30 plus points and 20-something rebounds, something like that? Mm-hmm. Man, he's giving it his all, man. And, you know, he doesn't, you know, the, the Pelicans organization doesn't see it fit to surround him around the talent that he needs to succeed. You know, and yeah. they, you know, they got Boogie, but, I mean, I mean that, that's a difficult situation because, you know, some say it was reported that the Pelicans was trying to do everything they could to keep him. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're doing enough over there to, to, to really keep him there. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, you know, as a, from an organization situation, from an Anthony Davis situation. You know, you want to supplant your, your, your spot in history. We know you're good, but how good are you putting up good numbers on a bad team? You know what I'm saying? So you always be looked at like that. So it's hard, you know, and I think um, from an organization situation, it's hard to draw people to New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is a good town. You know, we, we all on this podcast are Louisiana native. But, you know, it's not like the flashiest town. It's not like a L.A. It's not like a Miami. You know, it's not. It's hard to draw those players there. And you can hear in interviews, you know, that mm-hmm. LeBron recently did, that when he was in Cleveland, he had a hard time recruiting players to Cleveland. Yeah. You know, you yeah. just, it's just one of those places that, you know, it, it's, you, you know you, it's not like the first place on the list, you know. So the, the, the New Orleans Pelicans have to be smart in how they move and get in talent. You know, they got to do it through trades while also keeping tech. Keeping 
you know, assets and keeping good players. So, you know, it's kind of difficult. You know, you finally get a superstar, you know, but Chris Paul went through the same thing. And I think, you know, they will find eventually someone else that will come along. They just have to, they have to build it the right way. They have to build it the thunder way. You know what I'm saying? You have to find not just one good piece like Anthony Davis. Maybe you find a good piece or two at, you know, after Anthony Davis. You get what you can for Anthony Davis now because it's not going to work out. You're not going to get a second star. Let's just all be honest. That's just not going to happen. You know, so right. that's just, you got to get rid of him now, get all these draft picks and maybe a good young piece that come with it, and then you build through the draft and like the Thunder did. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that is the end of the road, and I don't think it's no coincidence that he signed. Uh, he fired his agent and uh, hired LeBron. Well, not LeBron's agency, but, you know, LeBron funding that. But uh, <laughs> he uh, signed with, uh, what, what is it? What, what is it? What is that? Free? Paul. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Paul is his agent name, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Signed yeah. With, but, so, I mean, but that's pretty much like LeBron's best friend. That's his group. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, I mean, I think that that's strong implication that he may be a Laker in the future, man. Yeah, it's hard, though. It's hard because, again, he, he does have some – that gives him more power because, you know, he is the agent. The agent can say, hey, we're not doing business with you. You know, the agent can control so much. But at the same time, you know, when things are lined up this way, it may make it difficult for the Lakers to get a trade because of the, all the league and stuff is looking at it like, oh, you know, um, and giving Lakers competition because the stars are aligning – this soon, this early, you know, and you got teams and players coming out saying stuff like, you know, like, um, um, I can't think of, I'm drawing a blank, the Celtics small fort that they drafted. Um, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum coming out, and he's saying stuff like, I would trade myself for Anthony Davis, so you got that type of stuff going on, and so I think the only competition we have, the Lakers have for Anthony Davis is the Celtics. Yeah. So yeah. that's what that's what it kind of it kind of it's interesting because I like the Celtics, but man, don't say that, bro. Last week you said that LeBron is the goat, and now you're saying that you like the Celtics. Come on, man. Come on, no, bro. What is this? What is it here? When I say I like the Celtics, meaning I I like a couple players on there. I wouldn't oh, play. come on, man. When I say a couple players, Kyrie, and, that, and that's because he. They like, all his stuff off of Kobe, man. So I like, they kind of go back to the Lakers. I, 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 like, I like Kyrie. I like Kyrie, but I don't yeah. acknowledge that he's a Celtic. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, it's interesting to see, man. I think, again, that's the only team that got competition with getting Anthony Davis is all right. the Celtics. All right. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty. Pretty. I, 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 I like that, man. We, it's a, we had a longer NBA discussion than we did last week. It's a little more going on, but... You know, those are some things that I want to cover uh, before. But uh, I think that we did it, man. We did it again, bro. We wrapped up another episode of the Peonated Benchwarmers podcast. Newest, hottest guys on the sports scene. Shout out to our brother, Ramon, who couldn't make it. He had some business to take care of. But we held it down for you. Hopefully, we made you proud. Um... Make sure that you're checking us out on O underscore Benchwarmers. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And you can search us on Facebook at Opinionated Benchwarmers. 
And basically, you need to subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And we also on Stitcher. Uh, please leave reviews on Google Play and iTunes if you like what you've heard. Also, share it with a friend. Let them know that there's a new sports podcast that they should be checking out. If they love sports as much as we do and you do as a listener, then they're going to love this podcast. Uh, thanks for the support. We got some big things coming up uh, later on. Uh, make sure that you're interacting with us on Twitter. If you heard something that you like, make sure you just hit, just shoot us a tweet and we will interact with you and we will have a sports debate. Uh, as always, thank you for listening and we're getting out of here. All right, until next time. Yo.